pray, and then we're going to dive into the book of Ecclesiastes. Heavenly Father, um, there's so much that um, comes into the time of being here together in worship, and we put, we put planning and, and uh, preparation into mornings like this, each Sunday morning, and, and Lord, I thank you for each person that, that commits time, sacrifices time for the, for the good of everybody else who's here. Um, and, uh, and Lord, we don't ever want to miss the real reason why we're here. It's to honor you, to lift up your name, to glorify you in and, and, uh, not just um, our songs and in our conversation, but in your word and in our fellowship. And uh, so be glorified this morning is our prayer, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It was my birthday yesterday, yes. 41 years old. So... It's all over now, yes, yeah, no, it's a special day. My wife made me elk stroganoff for my birthday dinner. No, I didn't kill one, and no, she didn't kill one, but my dad kills them, so. Um, Welcome to the Old Timers Club, yes, I feel it, I feel it. Uh, We're in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're preaching through Ecclesiastes, uh, so you can turn there, we'll be reading in just a moment, but. This is really a journal that is written by a man named Solomon as he reflected on his days of life in which he lived his life apart from God, where God was maybe more of a side note or an afterthought or maybe even a hobby. He had acquired much riches and much wisdom, lots of property, lots of status, and God became an afterthought in his life. And so when he writes this journal, he's writing back and reflecting on the experiences that he had as a younger man and, and what he learned from it or what he is learning from it. So the big picture is really his hunt, Solomon, his hunt for, for meaning and purpose and joy beyond the things that we see on this earth, beyond the, the, the tangible things. Where does real meaning, real joy come from? Because we have so much superficial Happiness around. I have a friend that's this week coming back from Disneyland with first time with his four kids, and he did not sound well when he gave me the update on how the happiest time of Earth was there at Disneyland. We have lots of superficial places of joy and happiness, but what does real joy, real satisfaction look like? So we've talked in the first couple chapters about the pursuit of pleasure, everything that this world has to offer tangibly, and now we kind of come to life's what's known as life's great equalizer. Life's great equalizer, and it's, it's one four-letter word, time. T-I-M-E. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to read along, starting in, in verse 1. You feel free to follow. For everything, there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from all of his toil? 
I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into the hearts of man so that he cannot find, find out what God has done from beginning to the end. This word time is used 30 times within these first 11 verses. Uh, we live in an incredibly diverse culture, a diverse world, different interests, different nationalities, different religions, different all kinds of things. But one thing that we all have in common, all people, is this four-letter word, time. We all have this in common. We all have 365 days that are broken up into 12 months, which are broken up into four weeks, which are broken up into seven days, which are broken up into hours, which those hours are broken down into 60-minute sections, which are broken down into 60 seconds. We, we all have this same chunk of time, but even though we have this in common, we don't always have in common how we relate to time and how we choose to spend our time. Uh, in the, in the um, there's a, what's called the Septuagint. It is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's a Greek translation of the Old Testament, and there are two words that are used for the word time within the Septuagint. The first one is the word chronos. We get chronology from that word. The second one is keros. Now, the difference between these two words is this. Chronos means a duration of time. That's what chronos means. Uh, keros views time as opportunity rather than a duration of time. And in this passage, the word that is used for time is keros, the word for opportunity, not the word for duration. And it leads us to the, the natural question of how is it that we view the time that we spend as, as people? Do we view time as just a duration of minutes, seconds, hours, days, months to get us from one point to another? Or do we view time as opportunity? Time to enjoy the things that God has placed before us, enjoy the people that God has placed in our lives, a time to enjoy the different seasons of life in which come, come our different ways. I looked up uh, the average 80-year-old. Um, the average 80-year-old, if you live to 80, this is how, on average, you will spend your time in that life. 318 months, 26 years, you spend sleeping. Eight months total, you end up opening junk mail. Uh, four months of your life, this is four months of solid, you spend tying your shoes, which is why I believe in Romeos, for that reason. 13 months sitting on the toilet, 12 months looking for misplaced objects. Yes, it applies to some of us more than others. My kids are trained when we go to leave the house. They're like, Dad, you have your keys, your wallet, and your phone, and I never have all of them the first time. Uh, okay, there's six years, 72 months of eating. 24 months just returning phone calls and emails. 14 solid months of texting, just texting. Four, <laughs> this one's funny. 48 months doing housework. Now, it's funny because I know what my wife is thinking. There's no way that I've done in my lifetime four years of housework, and she's done quite a bit more of that. And we're, well, I'm only 41. 
two weeks kissing each other, two weeks just straight kissing, 60 months, five years waiting in line for whatever. And then the one that gets us all, it's frustrating to all of us, is six months solid just waiting at stop signs and traffic lights. That's it. Time, time is an interesting thing, and our perspective on time changes throughout the years. When I, when I think of when I was a kid, time went by so slowly. Like, I was always waiting for Christmas to come. It's going to be forever before Christmas comes, or my birthday comes, or summer vacation. Like, it's going to take forever for that to come. But when summer vacation gets here, it lasts such a long time. I get to go, and I get to play with my buddies and my friends and, and break things and get hurt and make memories. And it lasts a long time. But then as you grow up, and now especially those of you who are teachers, we have a lot of teachers in here, it's like the summer vacation it's supposed to be how it's just a blip it just zips right by and that's just kind of the nature of things the older we get the the quicker time seems to go by just to fly by there's an old story about a man who went to see a doctor for a physical the doctor called the man a few days later and said I have some bad news and I have some worse news for you which would you like first the patient says well I guess I'd like the bad news first and and the doctor says well the bad news is you only have 24 hours to live So the patient thinks, what could be worse than that? The doctor then says, I meant to call you yesterday. (laughs) Time, it's, it's, it's a funny thing, and it changes throughout our lives. Our perspective, it changes. Moses wrote in Psalm 90, verse 12, he said, Teach us to number our days, O Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom of wisdom. As we look at this, these first eight verses in Ecclesiastes, he's saying that there's an appropriate time for every season of life. There is an appropriate time for every season of life. Now, this book of Ecclesiastes is part of a biblical literature genre called wisdom literature. And a major theme within wisdom literature is that a wise person is able to discern the different seasons of their life. A wise person is able to discern, they're able to know how to view, how to live in light of whatever season of life they are in. Proverbs 6, 6 says, Look to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Consider its ways and be wise. At first glance, this kind of can seem strange. Why would we look to an ant to consider an ant as the picture of wisdom? And, and the reason is because they're, they're able to do in season what they are supposed to be doing. In Proverbs thirty twenty five, it says, Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. That's why when they come after our picnics and take our food away, they're being wise and preparing themselves for their hard season. Wise people know what season of life they're in, and they live in light of those seasons of time. Now Solomon here, in these first eight verses, he gives us 28 different activities, 14 of which are positive, 14 of which are negative. And what he does is he kind of sets these side by side or in juxtaposition with one another. And as you read it initially, it kind of looks like they might cancel each other out. And maybe, maybe they do, depending on how far you read along in this chapter. But this is Hebrew poetry, and instead of rhyming words, Hebrew poetry will rhyme rhyme thoughts or ideas. They put thoughts or ideas side by side and let the reader 
kind of grapple with them. And so let's look at these that he puts out here. In verse 2, in verse 2, it says, There's a time to be born and then there's a time to die. This very minute, there will be 255 births around the world. This very minute, according to the most recent stats. There also will be, this very minute, 107 people that will die. Uh, There is life and there is death. That is part of the cycle. And our birth and our death is not an accident. Our birth and our death is an appointment by God. And really, only those of us who are believers know and see this reality. and, And we know that we can't do anything about the day that we are born. And unless we trespass on God's sovereign plan, we can't do anything about our death either. But what I find interesting as I think about this is that we can't choose the day that we're born and we can't choose the day that, we're, the day that we die, but we can choose the day that we're born again. We can choose the day in which, in which we respond to the love of God through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. As a church, that is one of the primary things that we're about is making the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ known to all people. Because too often religion tells people that they have to try hard to be good to get into God's presence. And the reality of the gospel is that we are not good enough. We never will be good enough, no matter how hard we try. Christ is good enough, and it's his Christ which takes the place for mine. And all I need to do is to believe on him, and I will be saved, and you as well. And I love that about the gospel, that we can't choose when we're born, and we can't choose when we're going to die, but we can choose when we're going to be born again. And then those of us who have given our lives to Christ, we can choose each day to walk in his spirit. We can choose each day to let the characteristics of Christ to to live in and out and through our lives. So there's a time to be born and a time to die. Next, it says there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what has been planted. And many of us in this area uh, are or maybe if we're not farmers, we certainly like to have somewhat of a green thumb. We garden. We know that there are times that you sow, you, you plant your crop, and then there's times where you come along and you pluck your crop. And if you're like ours, our garden, we've done the, the sowing and the plucking, and now it's the goat's job to go in and level the playing field to get ready for the next season. But it's just a season of time. We were at our prayer meeting this week, and someone asked Robin, Robin Harmon, one of our many tree farmers here in the church, can you believe it's already Christmas tree time again? And he said, no, it seems like just last year when we were getting ready to cut the trees. It does, doesn't it? Time goes by so fast. It says there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Oftentimes this can seem somewhat morbid morbid, or kind of a downer. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. But in, in Jewish culture, Capital punishment was very much a part of the law. It was part of the judicial system that they lived by. And in order for healing to take place for the victims, first there had to become justice for the criminal. So there's a time to heal and a time to kill. This next one's interesting. There's a time to break down and a time to build up. This we can see a lot of different ways. If we think of construction, for example, there's a time to tear down, there's a time to build up. If, if you don't know the Delaney family, they're Jay and Kirsten and Cambria and Kai. They, they uh, have an awesome little farm up here in, in Amboy area, and they have just, this last week and a half or two weeks, torn down a shop. And they had to tear it down in order for the new shop to be built, because everyone needs 
a new shop, right? <laughs> Especially a shop that's going to fix my truck when it breaks down. <laughs> They're going to build a new shop, but it's a season of time where in order for the new to come, the old has to get torn down. And so that's true with construction, but it's also, it's also true as it relates to our bodies. As you kind of joked with me about my birthday, um, I'm very aware of this. When we're young, it seems like everything in life Everything in our bodies is growing. We, we, we can, we're flexible. We can move easily. And life is just kind of at our grasp. We go, we go after it. But they say that you're in your prime around your 20s. Maybe lucky if you're a little bit later than that. Um, but then things begin to slowly deteriorate. And the older you get, the quicker they seem to go downhill. But I, I watch my son eat plate after plate after plate. And bowl of cereal after bowl of cereal after bowl of cereal until... The cupboard's empty. Being full is not a concept in him, but yet he's still this young, strong, strapping, thin young man. And yet, maybe you're like me, when I look at a nutty bar, I feel my blood pressure begin to rise, and I feel my my waistline start to grow anymore. Um, Our bodies kind of go through these, these seasons of time as well. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. They say that there are some muscles within our face that are good for nothing other than to help us smile. And some of us could exercise those muscles a little bit more. It's a good thing to smile. It's a good thing to laugh. But there's also a time for weeping. Um, I know if you're like me, I would prefer to laugh. I would prefer to, to find reasons to rejoice. But there's just times where laughing needs to turn to mourning. And, um, and that's appropriate. There's a time for that. Julie and I had a friend um, when we were first married. Her name was Susie. And it was, it was interesting about Susie because whenever Susie heard bad news or she heard that something terrible was going to happen, she would laugh. It was like a, a mechanism that she used to deal with pain. And so I remember sitting in a meeting and someone shared a prayer request about um, a, a sickness and she starts to laugh at, at it. And, and everyone, thinks that, everyone thinks that she's just being rude. But she's really, that's just her way, her way of laughing. You see that oftentimes too with, with police officers and firefighters. One of the things that I noticed with police officers and firefighters that, that I'm close to is they will laugh at the most... Um, difficult times in life Um, because as public servants they have to see the things that you and I would never want to have to see and sometimes the only way that they could handle that is by having some humor in it it's just their way of dealing with it but there is a time there's a time to laugh there's a time to cry time to mourn and time to rejoice there's also a time to cast stones and a time to gather stones if you've ever been to Israel you'll see that in Israel there are rocks everywhere all over the place, there is an old, an old legend that says when the Lord handed out rocks to the angel to go scatter amongst the earth, the angel tripped when he hit Israel. <laughs> we cannot plant, or they cannot plant in this area, and you can't plant in our area either unless you take the stones and you move the stones away. You move them to the side. But then when the time comes to build a fence, they couldn't run down to Home Depot They had to take those rocks and they had to build a fence with those rocks so they built a retaining wall. So there's a time to gather stones and there's there's a time to to take them back up again. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to hold on and a time to let go. I find this is really true, especially as it relates to parenting. There's a time to, to 
have our children under our care, and there's a time to let our children go. And that's a hard thing, but it's a necessary thing in order for us to move forward in a, in a healthy way. We have to let go of them, and, and they have to learn to, to go out on their own as well. I was talking with a brother over lunch this week, and it was just kind of heartbreaking because not only do we have to let our kids go, sometimes we have to let other people go in our life because of different reasons. And I was sharing with this brother just... We were sharing kind of just a heartfelt moment of how much we appreciated each other. And, and it brought to mind someone else that used to be in my life um, in a special way. And yet that person, because of some circumstances and some choices that he made, has, has broken fellowship with me. And I, it's hurtful to me to have to deal with that broken relationship. And, and although I would still call him a friend, we don't have a common bond anymore in our relationship with Christ. And so I've had to learn to not stop praying for him, not stop caring and connecting, but emotionally I have to, I've had to let, let go of that hurtful relationship because I see the choices that, that he's making in life. And that's just, that's just part of life. It's part of the season of life, the relationships that we have. It says there's a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. I used to work in a metal shop and I'd walk around with an ink marker, a paint marker, and whenever there was metal that was sitting around for too long, I would write a date on it, normally a month or two out. And it, was, it became a rule in the shop. If you walked by and you saw a piece of metal that had a date on it that was past due, you'd just take that, take that piece of metal and you'd have to throw it in the scrap bin. And um, this was, we had to do this because, well, it's hard to throw things away. It's hard to get rid of things, especially if you can see there's some purpose or some value. But what ended up happening is we had so much shop material all over the place that people were tripping and you trip and fall over a piece of sheet metal and it, it cuts you pretty bad. And so we had to kind of get in this process. And I noticed as we went through this process and we implemented this policy, guys really struggled with it. Honestly, I struggle with it too. I would tell them not to come in and ask me just to go throw it away because otherwise it'd end up in the back of my truck and then I'd bring it home and then it'd sit in my garage and do the same thing, just kind of how it worked. But that's one thing when it comes to scrap metal, but what about the burdens in our life? What about the difficulties in our life that we have a hard time letting go of or a hard time throwing away? Things like unforgiveness or bitterness or envy different hurts that kind of come in and we aren't willing to cast them out. We're not willing to let them go. We let them kind of hold us, hold us down. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, talking about this new life we have in Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to get rid of it which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. I love that, that deceitful desires, because that's what we've seen in the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon is saying money and sex and alcohol and, and comedy, all of these desires are deceitful if you're trying to find meaning and purpose in your life from then. So Paul is saying in the New Testament, which is being corrupted by its own deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to be put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. This is the new life in which we are called to live. What are the burdens in your life specifically that you need to cast aside, that you need to lay down, that you need to stop embracing and holding on to? I'm sure of it. Actually, I know of it. There are many of us that have these burdens that are weighing us down, that we need to 
to cast off. Uh, we need to re- renew our mind, as Paul says here. He then goes on to say a, a time to tear down and a time to sow. There's a time to fix things and there's a time just to throw things away. There's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. This is one that so often people get backwards. We, we speak when we should be silent and when we should speak, we end up not speaking and we should be silent. This is one that takes great discernment. There's a time to love and a time to hate. This is a tough one as Christians. A time to love and a time to hate. Most of you may have heard of William Wilberforce. He met the alcoholic named James Newton. James Newton was the man who wrote the most famous hymn of all times, Amazing Grace. And after Wilberforce met Newton, it changed his life. He, he chose to follow Christ. And one of the first things that impacted Wilberforce after he became a Christian is he came back to Britain and he came face to face with the slave trade. And he wrote in his journal that it sickened him and he hated it. And so he spent the rest of his life, he was determined to fight for the abolition of slavery in Britain. And in 1833, three days before he died, Parliament put and passed the law abolishing slavery. And a big part of it was because of his righteous hatred. King David says in Psalms 139, I hate those, Lord, who hate you with a perfect hatred. I hate those who hate you with a perfect hatred. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's also a time for peace and a time for war. Because of the sinfulness of man and the depravity of our day, sometimes war seems to be the only means to find peace. So there is a time. There is a time for war. Now, these first eight verses, we see that there is an appropriate time for every season under heaven, every season of life, a balance of things. But the difficulty comes when we hit verse 9. Let's read verse 9. It says, What gain has a worker from all of his toils? He's saying, what profit is there in this? What's the benefit in knowing all of these 28 things? What's the benefit of life? Where does this lead, he says? What's the purpose? What's the, prop, what's, what's the profit of it? He seems so much to insinuate that there is no purpose. There is zero profit in it. And if you stop reading there, you stop living your life at that point, just with the knowledge of those first eight verses, then maybe there is zero profit. But we have verses 9 and 10. And look, look what verses 10, or sorry, 10 and 11, it says this. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into the, man, into the heart of man so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. In other words, what he's saying here is that God gives us this experiential life. He gives us these opportunities in life, and he gives them to all of us. He gives us the highs, he gives us the lows, he gives us the laughter, and he gives us the tears. And he has made them beautiful in his time. He has put eternity into every heart of every living person so that he can find out what God has done from beginning to end. His simple conclusion is that life without God does not make sense. Life without God does not make sense. What it does is it leaves you in the hopelessness of verses 1 through 8. 
A life without God leaves you just in this emotional checks and balances, good days and bad days, and let's just kind of let things settle where they are and we just kind of hit ourselves with new with new distractions, new pleasures, new joys, things like that. That's what, that's what he, he spends his time thinking about. He's saying God gives us these experiences so that we'll look for God in all things, that we'll look for God as our supreme prophet. We're made with this eternal desire within us, and it's a beautiful thing, unless we do it apart from God, which is what we see a lot happening in Solomon's early life. So it kind of leads to this question, number two here. The question is, do you look for God in all the experiences of life? Do you look for God in all the experiences of life? Because, especially us guys, we're, we, we're really good at being compartmentalized. We, we, we have our, our God box, and then we have our other boxes of life. And that is not at all a picture of a Christian faith, one in which we, we think, act, behave, talk one way in one setting, and then we talk differently and act differently in a different setting. Solomon wisely concludes that, that God gives us these experience in life, these things to go through so that we might look for him in all things. We are made with this eternal desire. And in the midst of that, God makes all things beautiful in the midst of that eternal desire. We have to factor eternity into everything. Which, which leads here, lastly, it's going to require faith on our part. It's going to require faith. God doesn't show us the whole picture all at once. So we must learn to walk by faith. We would be very lucky, and, and it's very rare that we would discover, and I don't think we can discover, actually, according to this verse 11, we can't discover what God's full purpose is in every event of our lives. We, we don't have the ability to comprehend it. We see the prophets wrestling with that question as well as the New Testament writers. We can't discover this full purpose. I have people ask me pretty often, especially in the midst of some of life's horrific events, why would God allow this to happen in my life? And at that moment, in that time, I simply say I cannot speak for God in that. Um, what I do know, and I say this as confidently and com comforting as I can, I do know that in the long run, he does work all things well. He is for me. He is for you. He's not against me. I do know the truth that all things do work together for those that love God. All things do. But if you want me to explain why it happens, I have no idea. I have no idea, but I do know with absolute confidence that the truth of this passage and the truth of all of Scripture is true, that, that God does work all things out. He does work all things out in his time, not in our time, in his time. So we can know that in the midst of our mourning, especially that he is working something good out in his time, in his time. Don't get stuck in verses 1 through 8 because that will lead to despair. Stay focused instead on the fact that he works things out in his time. There's an old saying that says that medical science can add years to your life, but only Christ Jesus can add life to your years. Only Christ can add life to your years. What it's getting at here is that, that King Jesus needs to be the crown jewel of your heart, of your life. Uh, Jesus said it himself, abide in me. We see it also, seek first God's kingdom, 
not our own kingdom. And all these other things will be added unto us. God doesn't waste the hurts in our life. He does not waste the tears. Uh, but he does make them new in his own time. I don't know. Anybody in here like jigsaw puzzles? Some of you? Okay. I'll, I didn't look at your hand. I think you're weird. Um, <laughs> I can't. I look at a jigsaw puzzle and I start to sweat. I like have a panic attack. It's like impossible. Um, and the reason why is this. I'm not trying to offend you. You're not really weird. But um, when I look at a jigsaw puzzle, I see all these pieces all over the place. And um, what happens if a person lives in verses 1 through 8 is they're picking up one piece of a jigsaw puzzle and they're putting it right up to their face. And they're saying, what does this picture look like? What does this picture look like? And it just leaves to madness because, of course, you can't know. You don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but when the, picture, when, the, when the puzzle piece goes down and the whole picture is put together, then you can see the landscape. You can see what God is doing, the big picture. Because God does all things in his own time, and he makes everything beautiful in his time. In his time. What our job to do is to walk by faith in the midst of that. To trust him in the midst of that. Sometimes things are really big, and sometimes we're forced to trust God when things are really difficult. But as we look at this, we're to trust God in all seasons of life. The good, the bad, we give thanks when there's time to give thanks, and, and we cry out when it's time to cry out. One of the passages or verses that, that um, I memorized as a young man uh, is one that has stuck with me, and it's Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. As we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, as we hunt for meaning, especially meaning in the chaos of our schedules. I mean, can we admit to that? Our, our schedules are chaos, especially out here in our area. We have to drive to everywhere in Yakult. And so our schedules can get busy, especially if we have anything outside of town and home. Schedules can get really busy. Um, so how do we find meaning and purpose in the midst of that? Well, we have to understand, we have to know that, that God gives the seasons of life and all things are appropriate in their time. And that God makes all things beautiful in his time. And in the midst of that, we walk by faith. We walk as his children, trusting him, not looking to, not looking to the world around us for the answers, not looking to the next pleasure that will salve our hurt. We look to the only true answer, we look to faith in our Savior. And that's the encouragement this week, because I know that this applies to just about every one of us, because we all live according to time. Let's pray. Father, I pray for um, your presence in the midst of our, our schedules, and I pray that you would give us discerning hearts to um, not just try to make it through the seasons of time and just looking at the next deadline that we have to get through so that we can rest, but that you would help us to be present in the midst of every activity of life, help us to feel deeply as people, help us to laugh when it's time to laugh and cry when it's time to cry. Um, bring our hearts alive. Um, Lord, we ask that you would be the one that, that drives our decisions, um, that drives our words, um, Lord, help us to see more acutely the needs of the people around us and then to, to strive after meeting those needs, loving those people, um, taking, care of, taking care of those who, who need it at that particular time. And Lord, I pray especially for those that are in a difficult season of time today. Uh, Lord, I pray that this 
message from your word would be a great encouragement to them, and I pray that you would increase their faith and their trust when they feel your absence, that you would draw near to them, and they would trust that in the midst of this difficulty, they, that you are working out, just like the jigsaw puzzle, you're working out all things to be beautiful in your own timing. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you you don't leave us alone. We thank you that you do work uh, together for the good for those of us who love you. Help us to love you more, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.